The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Morning, if you would, uh, turn to Exodus chapter 16. And uh, we're going to talk about the children of Israel this morning. And as we talk about that, uh, in Exodus 16, uh, a month has passed since... Uh, Israel has departed from Egypt. Y'all remember that uh, Israel, uh, that's a people, that's not a country. Israel uh, has been slaves in Egypt. And the more and longer they've been there and the more that uh, Moses begins to come and he begins to talk to Pharaoh and the slave masters in Egypt... uh, rains down more work. Uh, They were to make bricks without straw or they had to gather their own straw and and it became extremely difficult while they were slaves in Egypt and they begin to cry out to the Lord and the Lord delivers them and it's been about a month now has passed Uh, uh, and we're going to see here in the scripture and Exodus chapter 16 and it's really the whole chapter of, of 16, but I don't have time to read it all, so y'all go ahead and read it uh, while we're here. Uh, but the, the whole assembly begins to complain. And this morning, we've been talking about, over the last couple of weeks, the blessings that we have in the Lord. And I wanted us to come and kind of do a comparison this morning about complaining and how complainers really never win. And in our scripture, we're not even going to look at all the complaining. If you back up, if you've taken the God's Word and you've turned to Exodus uh, 16, if you just back up to verse 22 in Exodus chapter 15, Moses had led Israel from the Red Sea and went up to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert and found no water. When they came to Moriah, they could not drink because the water was bitter, and that's why it was called Moriah. And so the people grumbled against Moses. They started complaining against Moses and said, we have nothing to drink. And then the Lord showed them a piece of wood, and he was able to add it to the water, and the water became sweet, and they were able to drink. So at this point in chapter 16, that's what these folks have seen. There's already been a problem with water, and now they say, we've run out of food. And we've run out of food, and they're... they're, they're frightened to the point or they're uh, confused maybe to the point that they start talking about the good old days back in Egypt. And if you remember that story, if you don't, go back and read. There was, there was no good old days back in Egypt. But they begin to talk about that. And we're, you can read all this in, in chapter 16. So they're talking about the good old days. And, and uh, they, they think we used to sing and we used to sit around and we used to eat. And, and they become discouraged. And they've really just gotten started. So they're discouraged. They're complaining. And only rode a few days. And they've missed a meal or two. And... Uh, they're ready to go back to slaves in Egypt already, just just nearly just like that. And their growling stomachs uh, turned into grumbling lips, and, and that's what we're going to see today. And I want us to see about five things that this passage shows us about complaining. And I would just want to I would want to ask you today: Are you a complainer? I just want you to think about that. And uh, if if I'm honest, I am sometimes. So this is kind of for me. Because I am one that sometimes I just tend to complain without giving it much thought. 
Now, I know who Taylor Swift is. Does everyone know who she is? I'm not a fan of hers, but I'm not an enemy of hers. I'm neutral on her. I, the reason I know who Taylor Swift is is because uh, I get on MSN a lot and read my news, and she's on there every time I open it up. So I know she's pretty popular. I heard a story about uh, uh, somebody tweeting something about her, and uh, I think she said tweeters are going to tweet. And uh, then I got to hearing about a song, and it's the only song that I would know that she wrote. And uh, in that song, it says, Haters Gonna Hate. Y'all know that song? What's the name of it? What is it? Bad Breath? Bad Blood? I don't know. Y'all are out there like, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. You done said you don't like her. No, that ain't what it is. Whatever it is... Uh, I did look it up, and it's got an interesting uh, vid music video with it. <laughs> uh, really interesting. Uh, but to make sure I had the right thing, and it, and it does, I think it says lovers going to love and uh, haters going to hate and whatever. Well, that's my first point. Complainers going to complain. And complaining... Uh, complainers always find something to complain about. Kind of like haters going to hate or tweeters going to tweet or whatever. And in Exodus chapter 16, 1 through 4, it reveals that journey from Elam, all the congregation, the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from Egypt, the whole congregation, now this is Exodus 16, this is verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel began to complain. And they began to complain against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had just died in Egypt. Why couldn't we have just died in Egypt? Oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in Egypt, where we sat by pots of meat, and we ate bread until we were full. What did they eat? They eat bread. We just sat there and we ate bread till we were full, and meat till we were full. But you've brought us out here in the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Now, I want us to think about this. It's so amazing to me that the children of Israel, who seem to have learned a lesson, have so quickly forgot about the past experiences they've had with God. I want to just run quickly over a couple of things. Think about what the children of Israel have seen. Let's just go back to the plagues. During the plagues, the children of Israel, think about the flies and the frogs and the water turned to blood and all of those plagues that came upon Egypt. If you go and study those plagues, Israel was never affected. So here's the Egyptians, and they have some water, and they pour some water in a cup, it comes out blood. But here, if you're an Israelite, and you pour some water in a cup, you got good water. The flies, man, just sit here, we get one, we were fighting a wasp last Sunday in here, one wasp. And I knew if we didn't get that sucker out of here, everybody in here would be going, ooh, there he goes, there he goes, you know. They were covered with flies. Can you imagine that? I get one fly up here. Man, I spend the whole morning up here fighting that one fly, not the children of Israel. Frogs. Man, you couldn't, you couldn't get outside. When we drive down our road, Alma, there's frogs all over the place, isn't there? You just see them jumping here and there. And, and I hate to run over them, but I know I run over some of them. Can you imagine getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and 
you done stepped on a frog. I mean, you just have to kick fire everywhere. Not for Israel. Just for the Egyptians. On and on and on. What about the Passover? When the Lord said, I'm going to kill the firstborn of every living creature. You know what that means? Cattle, sheep, goats, every living creature. And even children, the firstborn. But what happened? The Lord said to Israel, if you'll paint some blood of a goat over your doorpost, I'll pass over you. That's what the children of Israel had seen. What about when they went down to the Red Sea, and there was the Red Sea, and and they looked at the Red Sea, and here behind them came Pharaoh's army and all of Egypt chasing them. And Moses stepped down into the water, and the Red Sea opened up, and they crossed on dry land. And as they crossed on dry land and looked around, two million of them, and they looked around and saw Pharaoh's army, entering into the Red Sea and the sea devouring them. That's what they had lived a month earlier. Can you believe that? Just, just 35, 40 days, they had seen all those things. But here they were, and all of a sudden they've given in to self-pity and grumbling and complaining. But folks, if we think about it, sometimes we do the same thing. We are living alone. Today everything's great. Tomorrow we stump our toe and all of a sudden we have difficulties, we have problems, we have despair, and all of a sudden we fall into the complaining. That's what the children of Israel hid. And the truth is, some folks make complaining or grumbling kind of an art form. I mean, they grumble habitually. There's just always something. And maybe they take off Sundays, maybe not. We grumble because traffic isn't moving fast enough. We grumble because the red light's too long. We grumble because we didn't get our food fast enough at the fast food restaurant. We grumble about all kinds. I grumble because cashiers can't count change. I mean, I I do that every time. Boy, don't give them $10.03 because they'll just look at you like, and I'll say, you just owe me a five, okay? That's that's all you got to do is it's it's 5.03. I give you 10.03. You know, I grumble about that. I'll get in the car and say, look, it just bugs me. People can't count money anymore. I mean, we, we kind of turn it into a, a grunt. We kind of turn it into something that, that's an art form. We find all kinds of things that make us gripe and grumble. But I want us to know today, and I want us to see today, that when we grumble, we're grumbling against God. And God's not pleased with us when we grumble. We're going to find that in our Scripture this morning. We're going to go as far as we can. The first thing I want us to understand about grumbling is this. Grumbling is a gratitude problem. Grumbling is a gratitude problem. Grumbling comes as a response to pain or problems in our life. And we grumble because we think that we should experience pleasure rather than pain. We grumble because we think we ought to experience prosperity rather than adversity. And it's a problem of gratitude. We think, why, why should I have these problems? Many of us are like this person that says, my car broke down, it cost me $400 to get it fixed, that was $400 that I didn't have, why me, Lord? After all, I've been better than most. Why are you treating me this way, Lord? Why are you punishing me this way, Lord? Then, besides that, my TV went on the blink, and so did my dishwasher. She moved out. I mean, my dishwasher went on the blink, and and my clothes dryer, and the lawnmower, and even the iron broke down. Lord, why me? Besides that, look at the age I am. 
Lord, why am I still having to struggle with financial problems? Why me, Lord? Why, why is this coming on me? Why have you denied me opportunities to, to have fame and fortune when, when you've given it to other people? Why, why is this happening to me, Lord? I mean, we just seem like we find problems and we, we make grumbling an art form. Because remember, grumblers going to grumble. And it's a problem of gratitude. A few years ago, here in this church, I was complaining about my truck. I said, oh, I need a new truck. I had to take my truck, and I had to get a clutch put in it, and I had to do this and this. I can't remember who the woman was. I really can't, or I would tell you. It sounded like something Debbie would say, meddling in somebody else's grumbling. It might have been Ruth. It could have been my mom. Uh, it could have been Patsy. But I said, man, I have my truck paid off, and it's broke down now, and it's going to cost me so much money. And I was talking and telling everybody what was going on. And, and this person said, did you get it fixed? And I said, yeah, I got it fixed. She said, well, did you pay for it? I said, yeah, I got it paid for. And she said, aren't you glad that you had the money to pay for it? Because if you hadn't, doesn't that sound like something David would say, Ron? If you want to just reach up and give her a little, that'd be all right with me. She said, aren't you glad you had the money to get it paid for? Go think of all the people that wouldn't have had. They would have been without a vehicle. I didn't want to hear that. I want to grumble about it. And that's how we are sometimes. We, we just want to grumble about it. And when we find ourselves thinking like that, sometimes it helps me to begin to turn those questions around and look at other aspects of our life where we can say, Lord, I'm so grateful that you've given me a car. and I, Lord, I'm so grateful that I have a TV and a clothes dryer and a lawnmower and an iron. And, and Lord, I'm glad you've blessed me with all of these things. See, we tend sometimes to focus on that which is negative. And just like the children of Israel, we forget that God has blessed us with so many other things. But because we feel like we are just are to be blessed and never have any troubles, we just lean towards that grumbling. Think about the blessings like this. Lord, why have you permitted me to be born in America with all the plenty that we have? I could have been born in poverty. I could have been born in Bangladesh instead of the riches of America. Why me, Lord? Why have you given me an opportunity to have a job when so many who are as just deserving as I are without work? Why me, Lord? Lord, why have you given me good health when others at my age have died of heart attacks or crippled up by accident or diseases? Why me, Lord? Why should I escape ill health and other religious people don't escape ill health? Why me, Lord? Why have you spared me from the sorrows that have struck so many others and their families? You know, sometimes when we get to that point of, of complaining, we need to come back and say, Lord... I just wonder, why me, and why have you blessed me so much, and so much beyond measure? Ted Kyle, Todd John, a treasure of Bible illustrations, they told this story, why me, Lord? When I think of the ways the Lord has blessed me, though I don't deserve it, I wonder how I could possibly complain about the relatively insignificant things that go wrong in my life from time to time if I could only learn to count my blessings.
You know, grumbling is a, is a problem of gratitude. Here's the second thing. Grumbling is a perception problem. I mean, it's a, it's a perception problem. That's what grumbling is. When we think about what the children of Israel said, they kind of inflated their problems, didn't they? I mean, think about how they, how they exaggerated what they said. These were slaves who were crying out to God. God, we're, we're dying under these slave masters. God, they're killing us. They're, they're, they're calling us to do all of this. And all of a sudden, when they begin to face a little adversity, what did they say? Man, I wish I was back in Egypt where I had plenty to eat. I had meat, pots filled with meat. I had all the bread I wanted to eat. That could hardly be true. Because if you go back and read that, they're crying out to God, God, we're, we're dying here. God, where are you that you have turned your back on your children Israel? And, and we're dying, and we're overworked, and we're starving. But all of a sudden, as they begin to grumble, their perception changed. They begin to exaggerate all of their problems. We had plenty to eat, meat. We had all kinds of things. And then their perception of immediate danger was exaggerated. They said, Moses, y'all have led us out here to die. <laughs> they had missed a meal or two. I mean, they were exaggerating. It was, it was greatly exaggerated. Look at our problems. Look at where we are. And, and that's a perception problem. When we begin to grumble, we need to look at the perception and how we're perceiving things. Here's the third thing. Grumbling is contagious, isn't it? Isn't that contagious? Man, if you want to get around, verse 2 says, they begin to grumble, then the whole congregation of children of Israel begin to complain. You know, if you get around somebody and they start grumbling, it doesn't take long till you're grumbling because it's contagious. And that's what grumbling's in. What, what only began with a few, all of a sudden, it's continued through the whole congregation of the children of Israel. A whole group grumbling. That's the problem. That's one of the problems. Here's my second point. Those complainers or grumblers, you've already failed a test. Because look at what God's Word says. God responds generously. He responds graciously to the grumbling of Israel in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out, and they shall gather a quota of bread every day. Look, that I may test them whether they will walk in my ways or not. See, God is testing us through our adversity sometimes to see what our response is going to be. So he says, okay, I heard that you had plenty of meat and plenty of bread. Y'all that know the story know what's coming, don't you? He said, I'm going to give you bread. It's going to rain down from heaven. Then I'm going to test you whether you're going to be walking in my ways or not. Chuck Swindoll said, what an interesting announcement. I will meet your need for hunger... But meeting that need is going to bring along a test. Have you found that to be true? I have. You know, when we're going to God and we're complaining, we're grumbling, and, and God says, okay, I'm going to provide that need, but there's going to be a test with it. Let me go back to my illustration of, of my truck while ago. God, I need more resources. God, I need more money. God, I need this because I've got this problem. 
and, and okay, God answers, and somehow you get a bonus check, or somehow you get something in the mail, and, and somehow something happens that you didn't expect. Well, well, all of a sudden, God has met your problem. He's met that need. And you know what I do? I go, man, I got some extra money, and I'm needing a new fishing pole. And I'm going to go get me a new fishing pole. And not only that, I haven't bought no fishing poles. Uh, Denise hadn't heard a word until I said, buy fishing pole. And boy, her head came up and she, I'm going to buy me a new gun or new hunting vest. I, I'm going to go do this. And all of a sudden, we forget about God who opened the door and gave us a blessing. Well, hey, man, you won't believe this. I got this. I wasn't expecting it. Somebody got on to me last week. I prayed for rain right here, Maryland. And she said, you know what you did? Ron, you can give her a little tap, too, if you want to. <laughs> she said, uh, you prayed for rain, and you got met down, and we were talking, and it thundered outside. And you said, is that thunder? <laughs> she said, did you think it was going to rain? You know, y'all remember, it started raining as soon as we left church last week. See, God says, okay, I'm going to answer that need. But with that need, there's going to become a test. According to verse 4, he says, Behold, I will rain bread down from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota for every day that I may test them whether they'll walk in my ways or not. So the gathering of manna was a test of their obedience. It was testing their obedience. Now here's my third point. Complainers are always looking for someone to blame. We're complaining. We're usually going to put someone in the place of blame. And as these people do that, they accuse Moses of leading into the wilderness to kill them. They accuse Moses of that. And they followed. They prayed to God. He delivered them. But they blamed Moses and they blamed Aaron when they thought they were venting their frustration on man. But according to Moses' reply, they were really grumbling against God. Look at verse 6, Moses, the children of Israel. At that evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt... Verse 7, and in the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against who? The Lord. <laughs> Moses goes before them. They're saying, oh, Moses and Aaron, you let us out here. You're going to kill us all. We're starving to death. We could be back in Egypt. and We'd had plenty of meat, plenty of bread, and you brought us out here, and we're all going to die. And the Lord says, okay, folks, the Lord has delivered you. He brought you out of the land of Egypt. And he's heard your complaints against him, against the Lord. But what are we that you should complain against us? Most of mine, I'm just a servant. Who am I that you'd complain against me? And Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you've made against him. And what are we that your complaints are against us, and they're not against us, but they're against the Lord. Moses declares to them, the Lord heard your complaints, which you made against him. I was watching my show last night, Lock Up. <laughs> and in Lock Up, they were in uh, Louisiana, that uh, Mongolia or whatever, that big old prison is down there, biggest prison in the world. Make some guys go out and farm and work and build stuff and they had a guy that was, uh, they said, here's, he hadn't eaten in three days. And uh, he said he's on a hunger strike because something. So the warden went in and was talking to him, and uh, 
He said, are you going to eat anything? And he said, no, y'all won't bring me no food. And he said, we, we brought you food this morning. He said, all y'all did was throw a bucket of cold ice water on me. And the, the warden said, none of that's true. And he said, well, why won't you eat? And he said, it's y'all's fault that I'm not eating. It's y'all's fault because y'all aren't treating me the way I ought to be treated in here. So because of that, I'm not going to eat anymore. Well, isn't that silly? <laughs> uh, but, but the thing I want you to see is, is he was blaming someone else about his complaints. He wasn't taking any ownership in the fact that he had disobeyed all these laws and gotten a fight and gotten a confrontation with another officer and ended up in this segregated part of the prison. He wouldn't take all that and complain. He simply said, it's your fault. And that's what complainers do. They look for somebody to blame in their complaining. Here's the fourth thing. Complainers are never satisfied with what they're given, just like that guy I'm talking about. They were bringing him a meal every day. He wasn't satisfied with that. And folks, when we're complainers, we're not usually satisfied with what we're giving. Look in verse 13. These are not just my ideals. God provides for Israel. So it was that with quail came up at the evening, and they covered the camp. So many quail just running through the camp that they were able to go out. They were able to capture all the meat they wanted. That's what they asked for, wasn't it? And verse 10, in verse 14, And in the mornings a layer of dew fell all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness, a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now, Psalm 78 calls manna angel food. So every morning as the Israelites woke up, they was literally food fallen from heaven, bread fallen from heaven, and it was spread out before them. And they had to go out, and they had to do a little work for it. And they had to take it, and, and they didn't have to go take it in and work and prepare it. It was there for them. All they had to do is go out and take possession of it. And, and all they had to do was pick it up and begin to eat. And they could eat all they wanted till they was full. But they still complained. They still didn't like it. The manna was described as having an appearance of flakes or round grains. Jeremy and I was talking about this very thing this morning, and he said, I wonder what it was really like. I said, well, verse 31 of Exodus 16, it says, it was like a white coriander seed, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> it does to me. I mean, that sounds kind of like a ground cracker. And uh, so it, that's what it was. And Numbers 11, 5 through 6, records the feelings of the children of Israel Toward this manna. Listen to what they said. We remember the fish that we freely ate in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being has dried up. In other words, they're saying we have lost our appetite. My whole being has just dried up. And there's nothing to eat except this dead gum manna. <laughs> I am tired of seeing it before my eyes. That's what it says. I'm just tired of seeing it. You can almost hear in their voices, they just went, bruh. What they asked for? Man, we had bread and meat. We had all we wanted. We had all when we were in Egypt. And God said, okay, here's your bread and meat. Here's what you asked for. 
But complainers are never satisfied with what they're given. Even when God's people are being fed in abundance, even when God is pouring His blessing out upon us, it seems we can never be satisfied, even in the abundance. Why? Because the food God provided them was not what they preferred. They said, we want a ribeye steak. And God said, I got some baloney for you. And they said, you know what, this is not what, what we want. And God said, what I've given you is I've given you what it takes to survive. I've given you all you need to survive. Let me give you an example. Last Sunday we left here, it was raining. It was raining hard. And we went to Furs and ate lunch. And I ate more than manna. <laughs> and uh, I ate a lot there. And, and that's not good, I know, but I'm going to work on that. So we pull up at the front door and we go in, and there's about 10 old people sitting there. I won't say that, you know, but there was a bunch of white-headed, wrinkled, you know, I'm getting there. I don't know how old they were. But I'm not saying that to insult them. I'm saying a man full of wisdom. I, back row is exempt from that statement, okay? <laughs> Did we have a birthday today? Did I hear it was your birthday, Helen? Last Thursday. She's kicking and going. I'm not either, but I know what it is, but I'm not going to tell it. It's somewhere between 45 and 100. Right? <laughs> but... But listen, there's a guy sitting there. Snow on the rooftop means wisdom in the heart, you know. He's sitting there, and we pull right the front door. We all run in, everybody but the driver. Pat was driving. And uh, I'm standing there, and I'm wiping water off, and he laughs. And I said, yeah, we've been praying for rain. He goes, yeah, we have too. We're sitting here griping because we can't get to our car without getting wet. Isn't that just like us? <laughs> but isn't that wisdom? He laughed and said, yeah, we've been praying for it too. And every one of us is sitting right here griping because it's raining out there and we can't get to our car. And I said, that's just like us. And he said, isn't that just like us? What's God supposed to do? <laughs> and I thought about that. Here we are complaining because we're not satisfied with what God gave. Been four months since it's rained. And the day it rains, folks going, why does it have to rain today? I can't get to my car. I mean, isn't that just like us? Complainers are not satisfied with what God has given. Not only that, complainers are not satisfied with how much they're given. We're not satisfied with how much they're given. Look at verse 16. The, the children of Israel were given specific instructions about gathering manna. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, and this is my last point this morning. According to the number of persons in your family... Let each man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so much of the gathering, some more and some less. And Moses said, Let none of it stay till morning. Notwithstanding, did they not heed Moses, but some of them left part until morning. In other words, he said, Gather all you can eat and eat all you gather. Don't leave it till morning. But some of them decided, hey, we're gonna, I don't want to get up in the morning and go to work. I don't want to get up. I want, I want to lay in my bed and just let somebody else provide for me. I'm entitled to that anyway. But some of them left part in the morning. And the bread grew maggots and stunk. Isn't that nasty? 
Man, think about getting up. My slept in this morning. I'm going to go and eat what I saved from yesterday. And you go in there, and there's a big pile of maggots on your counter, and your whole kitchen stinks. That's what happened. It produced maggots and stink. And Moses was angry with them. You know, having run out of food in Israel, it's the, uh, in the wilderness, here we have the Israelites that say we're going to starve to death, and they have all of this zeal saying they're going to starve to death, and God provides this harvest and this provision for them. But there was enough manna, it would seem, that every Israelite could have their fill. Their tents was full. He said, gather everything you need. And in an effort, so many people said, you know what, we're going to hoard up this stuff. We're going to take more than we need. And they began to disobey God's directions and, and God's provisions for them. Quell the same thing. All they could eat, all they could handle. But they came to the point, if you go on and read this story, that they said, God, we're sick of manna and we're sick of quail. God, we want something else. Now, I want us just to think about this. There are two million people traveling. That's what Bible experts say. Two million Israelites. About 600,000 men were able to go forth to war. So that would be the men that were from probably 15 to 40. They were warriors. So that gives you an idea. You know, if you were older, you wouldn't go to war. If you were younger, you wouldn't go to war. So, so about 600,000 of those men in Numbers 1, 45 and 46, an omer, which they were to gather, was to be gathered every day, one of these for every soul there, two million. It's equal to six pints. That's what an omer is. I just found this and thought this was interesting. There would be 12 million pints, or 9,000 pounds, which was 4,500 tons that was gathered every day. That's a miracle, isn't it? Did you hear that? 4,500 tons of manna gathered every single day. You know what? All Israel had to do is look around and say, man, God is blessing us. We're not having to go out here and kick every bush over and dig in every little hole and, and just try to survive and just try to come up with something. God's Pour a blessing out upon us. He's given us 4,500 tons every single day. He's given us our fill. He's met beyond our needs. We're not having to go to bed and say, man, I wish I had just a little bit more. He's blessed us beyond our needs. But on our needs. Today, that would take 10 trains having 30 cars and each car having 15 tons in it for a single day's supply. That's what it would take today. It's amazing how God blessed the children of Israel. A million tons of manna annually gathered by Israel. But you know what? They just weren't satisfied. God had blessed them. God had poured down manna from heaven. He had sent quail through the camp day after day after day. They had more blessings than they can imagine but they simply were not satisfied. Verse 35, and this is where we're closing, says, And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. And they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. 
Now, we got to stop there, but y'all remember they sent some spies over into Canaan, and they looked around, and Caleb and Joshua was the only two that come back. You remember what they said? They said, there are grapevines over there loaded with grapes. That makes a whole lot more sense now, doesn't it? They said, there's food over there you will not believe. But you know what? A lot of these complainers and grumblers, God said, you're never going to enter the promised land. You're not going to make it because you've grumbled against me and because you failed to follow my commandments. You know, I said at the very beginning this morning, we have a home prepared for us that's more than we can ever imagine. But it takes something. It takes us following God's calling to us. If we're not born-again Christians, we don't have a promised land waiting for us. When it comes to our grumbling and some things, it's not my intention today to see that whole story about manna and the whole story about this spiritual implication of the manna, but the manna teaches us a couple of things. To look for the Lord for our supplies. We need to look for the Lord for our, our daily needs. That's what this story teaches us, that, that when we go before the Lord, we don't need to, to, to go and, and spread the whole community and have everybody in an uproar. We need to tell it to the Lord, and, and we sing a song, Tell It to Jesus, and tell it to Jesus alone. And God will open the doors, and God provides for us. The Lord look to the Lord for our supplies, for our daily needs. And then also look to the Lord for our strength and our blessings. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning if you would.